Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. A few years back, a Kiwi actor flew out to Shanghai to film a TV ad. Now, the shoot itself would only take a few days, but he told his friends to expect him back in about a month because, you know, he wanted to have a good look around China while he was there. So everyone was a bit surprised when he arrived home just a week later. What happened, they asked. We thought you were staying longer. Oh, yeah, the actor replied. Yeah, yeah, I meant to, but it's the weirdest thing. Do you know they don't take Taranaki Savings Bank FPOS cards in China? For more than 30 years, electronic banking, and especially FTPOS, have been the way we pay for things here in New Zealand. I truly can't remember the last time I carried cash. If you open your wallet, your purse, or or what have you right now, I bet you'll find more bank cards than cash in there. Unless you're Professor David Tripe, who's Massey University's Head of Banking Studies. Gosh, we've got 180 in there. Okay, $180 in cash. How many bank cards? Let's see, there's a credit card, another card, another card, there's a debit card, Two credit cards, so there's actually three credit cards there. Or if you're tech expert and PR guy Paul Brislin, who didn't even bring his wallet to our interview. No, and I'm a little concerned because I drove here, and it occurred to me as I as I drove that um, uh, I was now in trouble with the law. Because <laughs> <laughs> wallets have become for everything except carrying cash around anymore, haven't they? <laughs> well, they really have, and, and I have seen studies that say people would rather leave home without their wallet and even without their car keys than they would without their mobile phone. Because with your phone, you can get a lot of things done. With your wallet, um, I, I would be stuck. Now, cards on the table. Paul Brislin does do PR for Paymark, who control a lot of FPOS transactions in this country. But he swears his opinions here are his own. Promise. Now, in case you're not old enough to remember, back in the dark ages before 1984, when people wanted to buy a new synthesizer, some leg warmers or some more hairspray, they usually paid for it in cash. A lot of people got their wages in cash each week in a little brown envelope, or they asked their bank teller to withdraw enough money to last them the week. Now, if you ran short over the weekend when the banks were closed, your only option was to write a cheque, and that really wasn't ideal. Cheques took a few days to clear, so even if you wanted to keep up to date with the stamped entries in your savings book, you didn't always have a totally accurate idea of what your account balance was. So mistakes happened sometimes, and cheques got bounced. Sometimes, of course, it wasn't a mistake. And so the era of bouncing cheques and um, uh, debt collectors and all the rest that went with it came along. Credit cards have been here since 1979, and automatic telling machines, or ATMs, or holes in the wall as they were known, have been around since the early 80s. ATMs are great, but carrying cash means you can be robbed. And of course, if you were carrying cash and you lost it, well, that's just tough. As the reforms of the 80s rolled on and weekend shopping and dining became more of a thing, we needed an alternative to the cash economy. We wanted to be able to access our money when we needed it. We wanted a revolution, man. And we got it. The time was ripe for FPOS to arrive. And in late 1984 into 1985, it did. After a fashion. 
Late last year, the Trading Bank set up an electronic banking project team to look at future banking services in New Zealand. Electronic banking isn't new. Direct salary credits, automatic teller machines are examples of it. But now the banks are investigating the transfer of funds at points of sale. Eftipos technology was developed in the US in the early 80s, but it didn't really catch on there like it did here. Back in 1984, David Tripe was working for BNZ alongside the team that rolled out Eftpos across the country, first in service stations and then in some shops. One of the interesting things about the, the way in which Eftpos, for example, developed in New Zealand is it was actually priced in a way that encouraged people to take it up. The banks were keen to get rid of check volume, and by making Eftpos free, that was a good basis for encouraging people to make payments electronically rather than using cheques. Despite what a lot of people believe, New Zealand was not the first country in the world to get EFTPOS. We weren't the first to get it. We were probably the first uh, nation to really embrace it, though. I, I think it's fair to say New Zealand led the world for a long time in terms of uptake, in terms of customer demand for it. Uh, the retailers loved it, the customers loved it, and uh, the banks in particular really enjoyed it because it meant a lot less uh, cash holding and uh, cash movement around the business. So the first steps into the digital environment were um, were well embraced by New Zealand, well ahead of pretty much every other country, I think. Is this the uh, final step on the way to the cashless society? Well, I wouldn't say it's the final step. I think it would be a bold man that would be prepared at this stage to say that this is the end of cash and cheques. That's a good call, because less than four years after its debut, Eftpos was in big trouble. New Zealand's fledgling electronic banking system is looking uncertain today after a surprise decision by the BNZ to pull out of the FPOS system. FPOS, which is the direct debiting of bank accounts at the point of sale, hadn't caught on in the same way that automatic tellers did. It was largely restricted to large petrol stations, liquor outlets and supermarkets. Nevertheless, the pullout by the BNZ was a surprise. We don't believe we've got the recipe right at the moment and we want some time to... Uh Uh, to research and see how better to do it. But help in the shape of a more rational and integrated system was on its way. The electronic payment system EFTPOS seems to have gained a new lease of life. With the payment method on the apparent brink of extinction in this country, Westpac and the National Bank have now announced they're joining forces and setting up a new independent system. The two will now expand and improve on the previous service to increase the use of EFTPOS and make it cost-efficient. This will include accepting major credit cards and also offering to include the credit and debit cards of other retail and financial groups. By 1990, FPOS had bounced back with more than a million transactions every month. We were as keen as a bean on ATMs and FPOS, but we didn't necessarily know how to use them properly. In the late 80s, Paul Brislin remembers finding a lost wallet at a restaurant he worked at, and it was filled with unsigned FPOS and credit cards. And the man whose wallet it was turned out to be the local branch manager of a bank. And he said, oh, no, no, I wouldn't, wouldn't sign it. Anybody could use my card. They'd have a copy of my signature. And he was, he was mortified at the idea that anybody would put uh, signatures on cards, let alone PIN numbers, let alone... It, it, was, it was a whole new era, I think, for a lot of people. Inevitably, we lost our bank cards from time to time, or we wrote our four-digit PIN numbers on them for anyone to see, or more commonly, just forgot what the PIN numbers were. I once lost a bank card and discovered it months later. I'd been using it as a bookmark. And then there was the kid who added a million dollars to his bank account by depositing a Jaffa packet into an ATM. That transaction was actually accepted by the machine, but the humans who saw it later felt a bit different about it. And as the usage of FPOS grew, so did our dependence and a certain degree of vulnerability. From time to time, the system does go down and our cards stop working. 
After the Auckland storm in April 2018, damage to cell phone towers meant FPOS terminals across the city stopped working. And of course, because no one carries cash anymore, no one could buy anything, so businesses suffered for days. ATMs can be skimmed, your account can be hacked. Plastic bank cards aren't very recyclable, which is tricky because there's a lot of them around. So like every major innovation, the arrival of ATMs and FPOS had consequences good and bad. When cash transactions went down, so did the appeal of robbing banks and restaurants. As a student, I worked in many restaurants and we would have uh, a safe uh, that after a long weekend was literally bulging with uh, cash. The opportunity for theft, for shrinkage from, you know, theft from within the business was tremendous. Uh, and of course, there's a huge security risk for people taking the cash to the bank. Most bank branches you go into these days, you'll discover quite quickly there is no cash on the premise. You can rob them as much as you like, all you're going to get is the stationery. When I see somebody on the street shaking the can asking me for spare change, I can pack my pockets all my all I like. I, I do not carry cash. There was a, a thriving economy built on the shrapnel in your pocket, uh, the, the loose change in the car, that kind of, uh, that you could hand over. That's all gone. The downside of ATMs was almost the death of the branch, if you like. And the bank branch as a social element, um, I think, was, was poorly understood. Even today, you see communities rallying around whenever a bank branch is being pulled out. In 2014 alone, $62 billion worth of transactions were processed through the FTBOS system. In 2017, Payments New Zealand reported we made 337 card transactions per capita in that year. Getting used to getting your money out from a hole in the wall or putting in your PIN number at the corner dairy changed all of us, probably forever. Probably the first time a lot of people had ever encountered a, a proper computer. So uh, from there, of course, we've had the entire electronic era and now the digital era. Um, computers are commonplace. We have come a long way, and I think a lot of it can be traced back to the feeling comfortable with this kind of technology. And again, it's like the security issue. Uh, unless you trust it and are comfortable with it, you won't use it. 34 years is a damn fine run for any technology. But the end of ATMs and FBOS must come someday. So what's next? In 2012, we thought we knew the answer. The time is approaching when you won't need your wallet to go shopping, only your phone. Uh, basically, it's just, it's just a mobile device, a specially enabled device with a particular SIM card in it. You go up to your FPOS machine and you just, you just sort of wave it across it. You've, you've got to be within about four centimetres and it just takes the payment automatically off your account, your probably your credit card account, and then, um, and then you get this little um, electronic receipt to say you've paid you know, $4 for a coffee or whatever. David Tribe, he's not so convinced. I'm not sure whether that's going to be the ultimate solution. It might only be for five years or whatever, simply because things will move on to something else. Somebody will find a process that works better. Now, I guess one of the questions that, that, that would arise in the New Zealand context is that some of us, some people manage to be very good at losing phones, and if that becomes a basis for, for payment, that would be a little bit worrying, wouldn't it? The story was produced for RNZ by me, Justin Gregory, using archival audio from the Taonga Sound and Vision. It was engineered by Jana Witter. You can subscribe to every episode of Eyewitness at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public or at radionz.co.nz forward slash podcast. Make sure you give us a rating too. In the next episode of Eyewitness, we pull back the Iron Curtain and sneak a peek at life in Soviet Russia. And remember, if you've got stories you want us to tell, you can get in touch with us at eyewitness at radionz.co.nz. Until then, kakiti anō. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.